welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare podcast. I'm Heather Hoops Matthews, and I am terribly excited about today's podcast because we have some exciting guests and a very hot topic to speak about today. In the studio with me is Matthew Roberts, a healthcare attorney. He's with me every week. Also with us, our fellow colleague, Angela O'Neill. She is an attorney and director of Nextra Solutions here at Next and Pruitt, which is a subsidiary of the firm. What you may not know about Angela is that she's the former director of women's basketball operations for USC and assistant director of enforcement for the NCAA, where she was responsible for investigating and processing major violations of NCAA rules. Why am I telling you that? Because joining us via Zoom is USC coach, Dawn Staley. We are so excited to have Coach Staley with us today. You know she is head coach of the University of South Carolina's women's basketball and USA basketball women's national team. Since joining USC, Coach Staley has led the program in capturing five SEC season championships, five SEC tournament titles, an NCAA championship, and has been awarded SEC Coach of the Year five Times. Coach Staley, thank you so much for taking some time for joining us today. We are uh, thrilled to have you with us. I hate that we have to talk about a healthcare topic, uh, you know, when we're talking about sports, but you, you deal with health issues when your players get injured, I know. But did you ever imagine that something like COVID-19 would have such an impact on sports? Um, COVID-19 is, is unimaginable. Um, it is something that um, makes you pause and, and really makes you think about where you are in life. And it makes you think about what's important. And, and obviously safety is the most important thing. Um, our, our players have done a incredible job with just trying to understand and adhere to the protocols and, um, you know, but we, we can't control other people as much as we want to control uh, what we do, wearing masks and um, social distancing and washing our hands and sanitizing our hands, you can't help that other people aren't adhering to that. Um, so we, we, have to, we have to make sure or encourage the public outside of sports to do what we're doing um, to keep everyone safe. Well, Coach, um, we all have had to endure the harsh reality of COVID, but it, it hit your team pretty hard because in March you were preparing for postseason play, in my opinion, poised for another national championship run, and then the world shut down. And uh, you know the rest of the season was canceled, unfortunately. Uh, we were all quarantined. You know, how, did you, how did that impact you and your team, and how did you try to talk to your team about how to deal with that, that missed opportunity? You, you know, the, the, the term when a bottom falls out has a new meaning, you know, it, you, you directly related to, to COVID and, and we, we were forced to, to, to answer that question. What will you do when the bottom falls out? And what you do is you communicate, you communicate, you can't, uh, you can't replace what was taken away from us. Um, but you can talk to your players, talk to them as, as this is what we have here. Something that's um, fluid, unpredictable. Um, and it's, it's affecting a whole lot of people. We're very fortunate in that. Um, that last game that we played, we won our SEC championship in a, in a, a SEC tournament championship. And, and as I think back, 
every single person that stayed after that game and wanted a picture or wanted a high five for me, I, it was well over an hour after we won. And I told the people if they waited, then I was going to take a picture with them. And they waited. And I, you know, I was high fiving. I was hugging. I was, and little did I know that that put me in harm's way. I, fortunately for me, I, I did not um, contract it, but that's the very thing that I love about sports is that connection that it gives to so many people, connection with our team. We're, we're always going to remember this year. We're always going to be, uh, we're always going to know when COVID 2020 hit and what we were doing and how we handled it. And I say we handled it with great communication care um, to allow our players a space to, to unwind and to put all their anger and then we just talked about it every week, every since. And, you know, your games, everyone wants to go watch the women's basketball play. And what you explained here, you know, waiting to give everyone a high five, I mean, that is the passion of fans to watch your team and you guys play. And it's not that you are without seeing challenges. I mean, you've won an Olympic gold medal, Hall of Fame player, so challenges, I know, are not hard for you, but... But how do, you, how do you restart sports in a way where the fans can still connect with you guys if they're not there? Well, if I had that, I know I would be quite rich right now because <laughs> the, NFL, the NBA, the WNBA. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I think you, you, have to slowly, you have to slowly reintroduce bringing fans to games. Um, obviously, we're, we're getting a little taste of how, how sports can continue um, in the bubble with the, the WNBA and the NBA. And then um, I watched a little bit of the NFL, um, and there were like a quarter of, of what the stadium capacity was as a start. So we have to slowly introduce that part of our, you know, our, our passion back into it. So um, I just hope that the people that – attend the games, adhere to protocols. That is, that is basically rules. You know, rules are, are rules. I, I love rules. I love to be governed by something um, because it means that you have structure. And until we're able to mandate, and I don't want to get into a political thing, that we all wear masks, you know, it, we're going to continue to spread this thing. And then we're going to you know, be further and further away, not only from sports, but you get detached from your family because, right. you know, if someone becomes, um, uh, contracts it, then then it, it creates separation and disruption in a, in a family. Well, speaking of rules, Angela, yes. as, as a lawyer, uh, when you think about what businesses, what universities and what leaders have to think about if they're trying to open back up, you're thinking about the liability. So how are universities and sports teams going to try to manage that challenge to, to minimize the potential for liability, but to get back to some sense of normalcy? I mean, I'll kind of play off of what Dawn said, but it's it's a process, right? And I think it starts with communication and being transparent. I mean, we know that most, uh, I guess, Power Five conferences are opening this weekend. And I think everywhere I looked and, and checked and what I've read is they've communicated their safety measures to the fans that are coming to the game. And you know, they're, they've, they've outlined that we're going to limit, you know, contactless transactions. We want you to use your phone for as much as possible. 
We don't want to have people exchanging cash. Um, I think that's very important. Um, I think they're increasing the, the knowledge that they give out. You know, it's like, I think you sent me an email earlier what South Carolina was doing. I think people are going to feel bombarded by information, but I think that the more you can inform people as you open back up and slowly allow fans into the games, um, it will be, uh, that's, the, that's the way you can handle it from a perspective of, I want to say, like risk mitigation, yes. like on the front end, it's like you could, you're going to mitigate your risk by doing these things. I'm not saying it's going to absolve you of liability, but it can say these are the precautions that we took. And then as Dawn mentioned, you know, the mask. I mean, I think that sometimes people, you know, confuse social distancing, which we, which we are practicing, Dawn, um, <laughs> confuse social distancing with wearing a mask. I think it, the, the, what it calls for is both. both. You need right. to wear your mask and you need to social distance. Um, I was watching SportsCenter last night, uh, no, no, last night, Wednesday night, and I saw Cristiano Ronaldo sitting in an empty stadium and he was six feet away from someone, but what, and he didn't have a mask on, but the, the uh, usher came up to him and made him put his mask on. So they want you to know that, I mean, he's the best soccer player in the world. He's social distancing and they're saying, it's not an excuse. We want you to do both. And I think, you know, the, I don't want to take 15 minutes as y'all are laughing, <laughs> but I think that the fans, if they're going to come to the game, then they got to be ready to abide by the rules that are in place at the game. Yeah, that obligations on them right. too. I mean, it's not a one way street. And that's really out of respect for the teams and the, you know, the coaches and the players and everybody, I think, I would hope. Right. Yes, one would hope. But what about, Angela, I know you've done a number of webinars on litigation because there is a risk um, for companies, entities, universities. Do you think the, the COVID-19 legis liability legislation will help at all? Or is there really no way to say you're without risk? Well, I, I, I think, well, the, the easy answer is that, yes, it would help, right? But the, the true reality that we live in a litigious society is it will not help. I think that um, early on uh, when kids were coming back for voluntary workouts, um, like Ohio State, I think the Big Ten was a big leader in this. I think uh, the Big 12, they wanted these kids, I, I think SMU, they were forcing these kids to sign these COVID liability waivers, pledges, whatever words you want to use, and I think it was Senator Cory Booker, he introduced legislation at the Senate level to say, look, we can't do that. We can't force 18-year-olds to say, look, if you want to play sports, then you have to sign this waiver, absolving the university of anything that happens to you. So where I think that it, it may have a, I think that, and I, I would say this, and, and I think that Dawn does a good job of educating her team, is that, you know, you need to know what you're signing as part of this education process is like to tell children, I mean, to tell the kids, the student athletes, that you know, you know, just because they're asking you to sign it doesn't mean that you have to sign it and you don't know what you're signing. A lot of times compliance will put documents in front of kids and just say, sign this, sign this, sign this. But without someone like Dawn or other, you know, I'm not saying she's the only coach, but other coaches that are active and care about their team and the health and safety of them, um, th these kids are going to think they should do it. And I think that as adults, we have an obligation to let them know, read what you're signing and ask the proper questions. Yeah, good point. Coach, back to you. Uh, you, you referenced the, the bubble that the WNBA and NBA ha have put in place, which seems to be working. How feasible is that to try to do in college basketball or something like that? Well, I mean, I, I did read somewhere where the NCAA trademarked 
the battle in the bubble or or something along those lines oh my so um obviously i i do think um the ncaa can create a, a bubble for the ncaa tournament i think they are forward thinking in that uh, but also other event coordinators are thinking about uh, putting on tournaments that's in the bubble now i'm hearing about them um and you know but they they also have to be ncaa compliant um i i'm all for a bubble i think a bubble concept because we see that it's worked um we know it costs a a boatload of money i don't know who would pay for it i guess probably that would would the the schools that participated would incur some of that cost um so yes, I, 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 I think a bubble concept can work. It, it has to be thought out. Um, and I, I do think the revenue has to be a lot more than the expenditures. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What about the isolation factor of that? Um, you know, I, we've had some conversations on professional athletes and it struck, it was hard for them, let alone, you know, student athletes i have to imagine it'd be harder for them it it the, that you, you definitely would have to take in consideration the mental health aspect of it um i think it was cute earlier on for the nba and the wnba players because they just wanted to play but after being in a bubble for for three months things can tend to get old because you you're, you're only allowing those certain places and you, you run out of stuff. You run, you know, certainly you run out of stuff for kids to do. Um, you know, but now that we know that, right. we can make that aspect a little bit better. I, I would say it would be mandatory um, psychological sessions, group sessions, um, team building, just things that will occupy a, a player's mind and not just on what, what is in front of them, which is the basketball part of it, but also just separation from your 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 family and your existence. And you know, a lot of people may say, "Oh, but you're you're making a whole lot of money," or you know, for collegiates, "Oh, you're you're on scholarship, you get to stay in nice hotels and all of that." Yeah, but your your freedom is compromised uh, to a lot of degree, and you just don't know where to. You know, I think I, I do think athletes are very. Um, um, compartmentalizers, uh, but you know, it gets to a point where you're like, you know, I just want to get outside of this perimeter and breathe a little bit different air, see a little bit different people or go see strangers. So it's, it's that, but if it comes down to us being able to play, having been off for six, seven months now, I do think our players will be up for it. I know our coaching staff would. Well, Coach, um, one topic that we want to address because we know it's important to you and it's important to the country, and, and that is the issue of social justice for black Americans. And as a legendary sports figure and one of the highest profile coaches in the country, what do you think uh, your role as a leader should be in communicating and talking about these issues? Um, you know, whether I am a leader or considered a leader or I, I am a black woman first, and I feel like I'm in a position where it is, it is pop, it's unpopularly popular 
to talk about these things, uh, to, to, to have uncomfortable conversations. I, I do feel like um, now is the time, if we're gonna make change, um, now is the time. We gotta keep the conversations going. We, ha we, we must lead at this point, lead, lead young people, because young people are at a place where um, they've never been, they've never experienced it, they've never had it thrown in their face every single day or they 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 have been a part of seeing um some police brutality that that leads to the death of of, of black people um but they haven't seen it at the the rate you know that that we're seeing it today and we do have to speak out for out on it because it, it's not only that there's a it's a whole nother issue that <laughs> that police brutality derived from. And that's just years and years and years of, of thinking of black people as, as less than um, and not being able to give them the same um, opportunities or, or just not even opportunities. You, you, you look different than, if you look different than, you know, someone that's privileged, you're, you're already working from behind. And just because of the color of your skin, I, I can never I, I, you know, maybe I got a small brain, but I, I can't understand treating somebody different because of the color of their skin. I, I can't wrap my, my, you know, small brain around that. You know how that's very small. That's very, that's very beneath, you know, the, the very thing that I can really understand just because the color of your skin, really, really. And I'm thinking 400 years ago, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And, and maybe God has 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 given us this time to speak on it, to to speak passionately about it, and hopefully there's change. Um, and we know it won't be overnight, but little by little, let's let's change. Let's change the way this world operates. And I and I know I'm I'm I'm, I'm being long-winded, but I I've been arming myself with different different things about about social justice and and somebody I was on a zoom last night and somebody said TD Jakes um, spoke at his on a zoom and he basically said sports all sports have rules and if you can if you can master those rules you could be very good at it like I, I think I'm very good at basketball I think I can call myself an expert at basketball because I know the rules and I know how to use the rules to be able to be successful. Um, but if you look at the business world, what rules are there in business that, you know, that the lines don't move because some people aren't privy, you know, to a certain set of rules. And when you move those lines, you're moving it away from somebody who was equally as talented um, you're not giving them an, an opportunity to, to have the same type of, uh, I, I, I call it, uh, I tell our players all the time. It is, it is, um, it's your ability to accumulate wealth. When that line and those are, are moved from you because you are black, you know, that's not equality. And right. that's not, that's not you know, what our country is stresses from the rest of the world. 
we stress equal opportunity here. You know, this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And, and, I, and that should apply to all of us that, who are Americans. It, to me, Coach, it seems like it's a heart issue in a number of ways. And you mentioning that, you know, maybe God has provided this opportunity now made me think about Philippians 2.3, which is like, in humility, consider others better than yourself. Like, if we all could just do that, we would not have the troubles that we have. It's, it's, it's that simple. It's, it's quite at. simple. Like, it, it's a, a simple thought. I'm it's not even going to say a concept because concepts can be, you know, broken down. It's as, it's, it's as simple as simple can be. We're, we're all humans and we should be treated that way no matter what. Well, I value your willingness to serve in our state in a number of ways. Um, and, you're, you know, we didn't even talk about your nonprofits and the good work you do with InterSoul. And we could go on forever, but we promised not to take your whole afternoon. And so, Coach Staley, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an honor to have you on Taking the Pulse. Angela, it's great to have you with us today. You, we're going to bring you back because you're just dent one floor downstairs. No, so we no, can no, wrangle no. you back up here. <laughs> I'm inspired. Dawn just inspired yeah, me. So, yeah. wow, let me go we make all, a difference. We all are. Yes, and Matthew, the biggest Gamecock fan I know yeah, yeah. <laughs> here at the firm. I know you enjoyed today. Oh, so. no, it's, it's an honor. We're, we're very fortunate to have Dawn here and have her be our coach and be a leader in our, our state yes. on these issues. Yes. Uh, so for those of you who joined us today, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. We hope you do uh, stay well. You social distance, you mask up, and that you press on, and we get to the other side of this challenge. We'll see you next time. <laughs>